Welcome to the Discover Church Podcast. We are a Christian faith community based out of Denver, Colorado. Join us this week as we bring our uncertainties to an unchanging God. If you have any questions about the sermon, please feel free to send them in. You can email them to us at hello at discoverdenver.church. It's another thing to say that should change the way your household operates. That's another thing. It's another thing, it's one thing to say the, the heavenly um, welcome mat is amazing to talk about. It's another thing to say the welcome mat at your house, broken and torn or not, should be operating the same way. And I think that's what the scriptures are getting at. Here's what I, here's what I mean. We are brought into the household of God by Jesus, and that transforms the household that we have in this world. Okay? Here's what we're going to revolve around, and here's what I think we should be convinced of, and here's what should change us. We are brought into the household of God by Jesus, and that transforms the households that we have in this world. It's one thing to say, hey, when we talk about God, I know that God welcomes anybody and everybody, and we can pray about that, or, or we, can, we don't even have to pray about that. We just know this to be true. God is love. It's another thing to say, that's supposed to transform our households in this neighborhood and in this city in the state, it's a whole nother deal. Okay? So let's jump into the scriptures because this, this is what's interesting. This confuses everyone who thinks that they're in. Okay? So there's a tension there that it causes confusion. And then it's really good news for the people who think that they're out. And then it changes the way we think about insiders and outsiders as a whole. So let's just jump into this. Chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. So what, what they're saying is, remember, at one time you didn't belong where the Jews belonged. You, your belief system, you weren't allowed in, okay, at one time. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of the promise. Having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you, you, so I want you to think of your name, you, who were once separated, you, once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. At one point, you walked across heaven's welcome mat, and the door that was there is Jesus. And he said, welcome home. You, at one point. Now, here's the thing. I'll be the first to admit, this causes confusion for the people who think they're in, okay? So if you think, wait, I'm in, and uh, I don't like the idea that it's going to change how my household operates. This causes confusion. I totally understand that. Here, here's what we're talking about. In the church, we think of terms, we, we talk about cliques, we talk about walls, barriers, we talk about these things that none of us really actually want, but that we have. And when we talk about household, it's important that you understand we're not talking about family, okay? Now, it may include family, but it's not exclusive to family. So what we're not talking about is that the family of God, we're talking about the household of God. We're talking about operating in a way that God allows people to belong before they believe, and it transforms them. It changes them. That like when the disciples came to Jesus, you know how good their theology was when they came to Jesus? They were saying things like, should I pray fire down from heaven? <laughs> and he says, no, they're pushing the children away, which we just saw. Like, I, I, I'm a firm believer. If Jesus was volunteering in the local church, he'd probably be in the children's ministry. 
I think he just loves to be around kids. So their theology about kids is wrong. I mean, we can go on and on and on, but he welcomes them into his spaces. He welcomes them into his spaces. In fact, you want to talk about a welcome mat, he washes their feet. They walk one by one by this basin filled with water, knowing that the lowest person in status is supposed to wash the feet. So here you have Jesus that transforms the way we think of what it means to be in. So we're, we're talking about, it's not about the clique that you're in. It's not about, it's not, we're not talking family here. We're not talking family God. We're talking household of God, which does include the family, but we're talking the ability to look at someone in the eyes and say, you are welcome in this space. We want you to experience God in this space. Now, here's the thing. They may or may not choose to pursue Jesus for years or ever in their life. But the household of God, they're welcome in the space of the household of God. You who are once far away by the blood of Christ have now been brought in. And I would encourage you to think about, to think about the people in your life that would probably think in terms of, I can't come to church or I can't be around people of church or people of faith because I don't believe the same thing, because I'm not welcome there. I want, I want you to know we're not talking family. We're talking household. We're talking welcome, Matt. Here's another way to understand this. At our house, we have the Omer family code. It's up in my office. It has 10 things we try to live by. Now, if you're an Omer in my household, we try to live by these things. So number one is pursue a legacy of faith that I am resolved to pursue a legacy of faith over stability every time. That's number one. Then there's a scripture, and then we just go on and on. There's 10 of them. The resolutions that we make as a family. Now, if you're part of the family, we say, this is what we're living by. But whether you live by that or not, you're part of that. We want you to come into the household of God. We want you to experience what it is to, to be part of God's presence in our house, whether you live by that or not. There's a difference between household and family. And... If we think in terms of only people who are like us, people who think like us and act like us and talk like us, they're the only people that are welcome in this space and in your personal spaces, we miss the scripture. At one time, at one time, you are far away. By the blood of Christ, you've been brought in. But that bringing in is a journey. And it takes a long time for some people and maybe a long time for you. And you say, I'm not part of the in crowd. I'm not part of the family. But I hope that you feel welcome in the household of God and that you experience the presence of God. Because I think that the minute the church starts to catch a hold of this thing called the household of God, saying, I love my church, and, and, and that we look at it in terms of the dwelling place of God, the household of God, that we're actually able to see people's lives transformed that weren't before. And they gave it a shot because we understand there's a difference there. There's a difference. Now, there's standards for the family of God, for sure. There's standards. But when we say things like, you can belong before you believe. When we say things like, welcome home. This place is community. Uh, That doesn't mean anything unless we act like it. And what's amazing to me is that this is what the early Christians do, and we'll jump into that in in just a second. I want to talk to you about some ways that we tend to isolate ourselves and operate in these spaces as if the household of God is like a building with walls. Here are some ways. Number one, I'm certain about what I believe and you're still questioning. This is a way that sometimes we'll think of an us or them mentality. Now I want you to know there's only one way to God 
through Christ, who's the full expression of God and God himself. I want you to know this. He's the doorway in. But when people are walking across the welcome mat, when they're standing there and experiencing God's love, if we operate in terms of I'm certain about what I believe and you're just questioning what you believe, and you're not able to listen to questions, you're not able to navigate that with people, you're not able to say, I don't know, but like I will dig with you. Because here's the, here's the reality. If God is truth, the closer you get to God, the closer you get to truth, the closer you get to God. We have nothing to fear when we're navigating questions with people. But I think we operate on terms of such certainty all the time makes it really hard for people to say, yes, I want to be in that space. That's one way. Here's another way. I've been doing this longer. This is new to you. I've been doing this longer. This is new to you. For some reason, we think that those of us who have been doing this longer can't learn from the people who are new. I just want you to know it's not true at all. This is an us or them mentality that we would have to squash. Here's another one. Number three, I'm of this denomination, you're part of that one, okay? Well, well here, here's the reality, okay? When, when we get to the kingdom of God, when we cross the point of eternity, if you look out there and you go, my tribe was really small compared to all that's here, and that surprises you, you're probably not uh, maximizing the capacity that you should be operating in, and you're not working with the people you should be working with. Don't be surprised. Your, your tribe, whatever tribe, is going to be a small tribe of the entire kingdom of God. We're part of this kingdom of God. And one of the beautiful things in the city is we see different denominations expressing the beauty of the gospel because the city's so diverse. We need a diversity of approaches when it comes to worship styles, teaching styles, all these sorts of things to show that the household of God reaches diverse people who think in different ways. Here's number four. And this is actually the thing that separates us. I've been approved by God in this way. What about you? This confuses the insiders. This makes the ones who think that they're in. We're talking about the household of God being a place where people could come in. They can experience the presence of God, even if they don't believe in God. And we believe, I believe, that this is moving them towards a Jesus-looking God. And we say, if we have this mentality, I've been approved by God in this way. What about you? That's the ultimate one. That's actually the one that you can pin all the others to. It's going to cause division and separation. It's really, really difficult. There's a thing called the Ingle Scale, where if um, is created by a missionary, zero being salvation, positive 10. We could just say Billy Graham, one-way ticket to Africa, never coming back, whatever you want to say. Okay, positive 10 is you are Christ-centered, sold everything, positive 10. This space, households of God and your households, should include people, yes, on the positive side, also on the negative, also on the negative side. That you should be able to see people move forward as they are experiencing Christ's love through you, as they're experiencing God's presence in these places, you start to see people move forward. Now, here's what's crazy. If there's a negative 10, if there's someone over here, they're negative 10, that they want nothing to do with God, nothing to do with church. And we go, come on, just like pray the prayer, raise your hand, do the thing, go to the side when we say to go to prayer. All the, and we say like, just do it. You're like asking them to get married on their first date. Okay, This is, sounds crazy to so many people. Let the progression take place within the household of God. Within the household of God. 
So I want to keep reading this scripture. It's confusing to those who are inside, but the Gentiles made it into the kingdom. And now look at what the scripture says to them. Let's keep reading. Ephesians chapter 2, we'll start in verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. What he's saying is not by circumcision or uncircumcision, not by the rituals, it is uh, through the cross. So we would say that it is when we come to Christ and we come to profess faith in Christ and trust in him that we are actually now through the cross, killing the hostility that divides the walls. We're becoming welcome mats, not walls. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. He came and did this. Let's keep reading. For, though, for through him, we both have access to one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Members of the household of God. So there was a time when you were on the negative side of the Ingle scale and now members of the household of God. We need to give that same grace to other people to become saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, we talked about this last week, being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is really confusing to those who think they're in. So we would be talking about if you have a highly religious mindset, I'm in because of this. You're in because of Jesus and everybody has the same sort of access, okay? Everyone has the same sort of access. But then this creates safety for the people who think they're out. This creates safety for the marginalized. It kills the hostility. It's amazing that when this starts to not just affect your theology, you don't just say, I'm now part of the family of God because I've been in the household of God. You don't just say those sort of things, but your household starts to change. The people that you allow in your doors, the way that you love, the people you serve dinner to, the way that you babysit, the way that you serve your neighbors, everything starts to change. Because remember, we're brought into the household of God by Christ, but this is to transform the way that our households operate in the world. And it has, historically it has. I want to Take you back. I'm going to take you back, 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 back several hundred years, okay? Um, let's, I'm going to show you Roman walls here, and this is like the trash heap next to the Roman walls. Now, this is way, way back, hundreds of years, and I'm going to read to you what you would be hearing. You would hear the sound of babies crying, and the reason you would hear this is because children, little babies, whether uh, because their gender or some sort of infirmity, or because of inconvenient at home would be taken out and cast away and left to the trash heaps, okay? Just outside of Rome. After dark, Christians would leave their homes. They would go into this place. They would follow the sound of crying and they would dig up the kids from the trash heap and bring them home and raise them on their own. They would do this. And they'd have tons of women 
that they were raising. Young girls, because people didn't want women back then. They wanted men. And go save them and bring them into their household. This is good news for the people who think that they're out. Because they bring them into their household because they know the household of God transforms them, changes their households. It changes their welcome mat. This next one's a North African cave. It was actually a church. Now we're in the fourth century. We're in North Africa on the desert. And there are these Christian communities of men and women praying prayers, sharing meals. They started out in caves and they started building structures that they used to nurture friendships, to call people brothers and sisters. They didn't know each other, but they were people who had left their family and now created new households devoted to prayer in places of safety. Because the household of God changes the household of people. See, it's good news for the people who think that they're outside. We can go on and on and on and on. Let's go to, um, not the next one, let's skip one, go to the railroad picture if you can. The railroad picture, we're in the 19th century, we're in the American South, and there are Christians who have decided that they really want to not just talk about abolishing slavery, they want to do it. They actually want to initiate this, right? The abolition of slavery. And they want to lead an African-American groups outside of slavery. So what they do is they have groups of people, they lead them through the forest and swamp at night, and they sleep by day until eventually they can be welcomed into homes that these Christians have by way of the Underground Railroad. This is a safe, they create safe places for them. It changes the way our households operate. Like it changes everything. So what I'm telling you is this, that when we talk about the household of God and how the household of God welcomes us, even on a journey, so we're, we're welcomed on the journey, we're welcomed on this journey towards Jesus, the household of God says, yes, come experience the presence of God, experience the love of God in a million different ways. If we don't give the same grace to our neighbors and our city and the people in our life and our family and our friends and our roommates, if we don't give the same grace to them, what does that say about whether or not this thing transforms our hearts? When we tell stories about what Christians have done, groups of Christian communities, what they've done for people that didn't believe the same thing, but that would call themselves outsiders, right? We're not part of your group. We're not part of this thing. We're outsiders. Yes, but this is really good news for those people who are out because we, we create safety and refuge and a place for you physically and spiritually. It should change things. The household of God does not exist just for us to sing praise and worship. What transformation you experience here, you should allow that transformation to happen to the people around you. And, and see, here's the thing that's crazy. When we, when we look at homes or your apartment, your house, your room, whatever your, your, your living space is, we look at that, we go, what's the best way to decorate this? This is like our first thought, right? Like, what's the best way? I'm not saying that's wrong to think what's the best way to dec- decorate this. You don't want people coming into a place that just looks crazy and scary, right? Um, but we don't think in terms of what's the best way to occupy this space. Most American homes have two and a half extra rooms that don't get used. What if we were to think in terms of what's the best way to occupy this space? And you say, I can't let strangers come in my house. I'm, not, I'm actually not telling you what to do. Ask the God of creativity, what's the best way to occupy this space? What's the best way to show the love of the household of God in my household? How can I do this? 
So here's some questions that I want you to reflect on. Are the people who live in your household aware that they belong in your life? Okay. Are the people who live in your household aware that they belong in your life? This would be your roommate, this would be your spouse, your best friend. If you go, I live on my own. Okay, the people who come to your house, okay, the people who are close in proximity, are they aware? Second question, are the people in your life aware that they belong in your household? Are the people you do life with, do they know you're welcome here? Now, yes, we have boundaries, and I fully anticipate those sort of questions being asked. But are the people in your life aware they do belong in your household? They have a safe place. If they ever feel like an outsider, they know where to go. And what barriers do you have that prevent the outsider from coming in? What prejudices do you have? Is it generational? Do you say, I I don't like the way that millennials trash everything, right? Maybe that's, I look around and there's like tons of millennials. You go, that's not us. Um, What kind of prejudices do you have? Is it that you say, I don't let people with kids in because they're going to make a mess. They will make a mess. I promise you. I promise you. And they may pee on your carpet, okay? But the household that you have is to represent the household of God at large. What, what barriers do you have? What inconveniences do you set up that you say, you're allowed in on these days at these times under these conditions? What's that doing when you're trying to communicate the love of Christ? To say, I love my church, And to talk about the church by way of a household of God, we will let anyone come into this space and we want them to know that God looks like Jesus. And on that journey, we want you to crash into the kingdom, we want you to get to the welcome mat, and we want you to walk through the door, and his name is Jesus Christ. But anybody can come in, anybody can. Your household must express something similar. The transformative power of the gospel is that it doesn't just do this to us In a praise and worship setting, when we feel good, it does this to us in the most inconvenient times. And it expresses the strength to carry this through. So what barriers do you have? Everyone has them. Everyone has them. Next week, after we're done with service here, we're actually going to go hand out uh, cookies. So apparently nobody here cooks cookies. So all I'm asking is if you buy them from the store, take them out of the box and let's like make them look like they're home cooked. Okay, smush them down a little, whatever you need to do. Um, so cookies, we're going to like have someone in the back that's going to, a few people that are going to be packaging them. So if you can next week, bring cookies. I'm just asking this as a broad, can I just ask the, the family of God, the household of God, um, in your household, use your oven and cook cookies and just bring them. Okay, if you go, I've made 300 cookies. We'll use 300. If you said, yeah, I made three, we'll use three. And then we're going to have someone packaging them. And then after service, we're going to go walk around our neighborhood. And you know, there's a house right here. We need to invite them to community dinners. We need to invite them into the household of God. We need to tell them, hey, we, we play music in your window once a month, okay? You may hate us. <laughs> what if we gave you free food and turned the music down a little bit and invited you into the household of God? And then we're going to walk along all these streets and we're going to do that because we want this. We want people coming in. We want to know, we want them to know this is a place for you. This is a place where you could join this community. You could be on a journey in this community. And we believe that Jesus is going to touch your life. We believe this. But we don't 
we don't want to push you away in any way, shape, or form. So corporately, we're going to be practicing this next week. And if you're an introvert, you just go with someone who's an extrovert, okay? And you carry the cookies, and you hand them awkwardly to the other person, and they can knock on the door and say what they need to say. But I want everybody participating. Everyone who can, I know if you have kids, but teach your kids to do this. Teach your kids to do this. When, when we first moved here, I remember um, Lisa and I were living in Evergreen. And Lisa, if you want to come up here with the worship team, we're going to have a really, what I think is going to be a really powerful time of prayer together as the household of God, believing that God is dwelling with his people and he's going to give the strength that it requires that this household that our households start to mimic this household in a lot of different ways. I remember when we were, um, I just, I took the drummer's stool. So I, I don't think you can stand up and drum. Will you put this back there? Thank you. And your stand. There you go. So here we go. I'm without a podium. Uh, I, I remember when we first moved here, Lisa read the book that you, a lot of you have heard of, maybe even read yourself, called The Art of Neighboring. Okay, Jay Pathick wrote that book. She's reading it. And she puts it down. We're living in Evergreen, looking for a place to live here in the um, Highlands neighborhood. And she puts it down and she goes, what have we been doing with our lives, right? Because we haven't been making our households the household of God. There was a time when our neighbor, we were in a duplex. We shared a wall with one of our neighbors. Our neighbor, our neighbors were yelling and screaming at each other. We we're youth pastors at the time. And we would sit on the couch and go, man, I don't know what they're screaming about. They need to quiet down. How horrible, like how that, that that was not a household of God. Our prejudices were high, whatever they were. Our welcome mats weren't welcoming a whole lot of people. But if you thought like us and you got along with us, come on in, come on in, come on in. But if you didn't, if you didn't, we're going to have reasons to not have you over. So she read this book and she goes, what have we been doing with your life? And like at 8.30 at night, we're up in Evergreens, 20 minutes to the grocery store. She goes, I want you to go buy stuff for an apple pie. I go, Now? It's 8.30 at night. She goes, now, go, go, go buy stuff for an apple pie, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I go, I get in the car, I go down, and I'm calling her, like, what's stuff for an apple pie? What do I buy? An apple? A pie? What do I do? So she tells me the ingredients. Come back up. She bakes it. All right there. This is all happening. Like, now it's like 9 o'clock at night or 9.15 at night. She, all this is happening. She goes, great. It's out of the oven. We didn't get one, by the way, but it's out of the oven. It's okay. And she goes, let's take this to the neighbors next door. We don't know these neighbors. We're not even going to live here for a while. She goes, let's do this right now. Say this to the neighbors next door. We take it to them. They come in the house. They're drunk. They, uh, and they look at us and they go, or they're, they're in their, they just came in their house. We saw them pull up their driveway. And we're like, how much time do we give this? Wait a few minutes. Wait a few minutes. Go, right? We want to stay hot. We go over. They're drunk. And this is what they say. They go, man, we, we're out drinking all night. We would love an apple pie. We're starving. I said, great, we don't know their names. Everything's awkward about the situation. I mean, we're there almost at 10 o'clock at night with an apple pie to these neighbors in Evergreen, right? And to this day, we still text. And that was almost three years ago. And they talk about, they talk about one day they want to drive all the way down to Denver and come to a church. They talk about that. And when we go up to Evergreen, we always visit them. Here's what I want to tell you. The household of God must transform your household. It must transform your household. Um, I just want to encourage you guys, curiosity um, allows for discovery. Mm -hmm. And so thank you guys so much for texting in your questions. I really believe that 
You know, if we, I found myself at a place a couple years ago when I wasn't growing, and I was asking myself, like, why am I not growing? And then uh, someone came alongside me and asked me, well, are you, like, digging in? Are you asking questions? Are you trying to figure things out? And I was like, no. And so sometimes we don't realize that when we're just kind of getting by and not asking questions, we're not going to grow. So th thank you guys so much for sending in your questions. It's really going to allow you to grow and dig deeper. So the first one is, why do our t-shirts say, I love my church, as opposed to I love the church? So for that question, yeah, I think like what it's trying to establish here is like the, the point of the church in this body that we're sitting in is to build this kind of subset of community that represents the larger body that is you know the Christian faith or the Christian church. So saying I love my church is kind of to, to bring this back to the point for us that this is our community. This is our place where we gather and we orient and we organize to move out into this direct community. Um, because trying to think on the scale of like, how am I going to affect the world is very, very challenging. <laughs> but trying to think on the scale of how am I going to help my neighbor, my yeah. community, my church is going to help me do that. Uh, is something that we as people in general seem to be able to take a grasp of and use that as a point to move forward in action. That's great. Yeah, go ahead. Next. Oh, this is wonderful. Good job. It's sometimes hard for me to distinguish what the line is between being welcoming to those I disagree with and those who are unchurched, but also not appearing to condone their sin. Hmm. How can you help me learn how to find that line? Yeah. Um, there's a book, or there's a, a quote from that book, uh, The Art of Neighboring, that says, if religious people aren't questioning you because of those you're hanging out with, you might not be living like Jesus, something like that. I just want you to know, um, by doing life with people and welcoming them in and taking care of them doesn't mean you're affirming a certain type of lifestyle. It means you're giving them food and a place to stay. So I, I would just, I just want to maybe recategorize for you. Um, showing the love of Jesus doesn't mean that you're affirming everything this person's doing or what they believe. It is showing the love of Jesus. And it is transformative. It's more transformative than if you were just to try to say, here's what you should do, X, Y, and Z. So, go ahead. Anything? Um, you can yeah, add. I mean, just go with it, tried and true, you know, love the sinner, uh, don't condone sin type of thing. So remember there's a person behind the actions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always like at least a lens to kind of look at these things where you're just asking yourself, like, all right, am I condemning this person or am I condemning this action? And making that kind of your discerning litmus test for am I being welcoming or am I... You're able to be welcoming without accepting everything about a person. That's the nature of life. Like, there's no one you accept 100%. Um, and you just kind of work in that framework, I would say. So hopefully that answers that. That's great. So God, in the household of God tonight, we declare you are great and worthy of all praise. We know that you inhabit the praises of your people. We know that Jesus, you have done away with all the hostility that the people of God would have with one another. And we pray for that same greatness to be known, that your greatness is known through our personal households. That the love of Christ has torn down the hostilities of the world and that we would be able to share that with our neighbors, our friends, even our own family. So Lord, help us be bold and courageous in this way. 
I thank you, God, for Discover Church in the Highlands and what you're doing. And we believe, we believe um, that when we say, I love my church, we're making a proclamation we've never made before, but we believe it. And that, God, you're in that statement. In Jesus' name, amen.